This is an AMI podcast. Hey guys, welcome along to another episode of Double Tap. It is the Double Tap Express with you today, and we have got lots of news to share from the week, and also some exclusive content only for the Express. You're listening to Double Tap Express, your weekly roundup of what's happening on Double Tap this week. Now, here's your hosts, Stephen Scott and Sean Priest. Hey, Sean Priest. Happy weekend. Happy weekend to you, sir. How are you? I'm all right. I'm all right. Oh, you sound very efficient today. Well, today I turned 50. So, <gasps> um, yes, yes, 50? I know. Yes. So I've decided to be uh, a mature, a lot grown up. I think the the term is. <laughs> I'm trying to out for size anyway. Wow, uh, that actually surprised my uh, music here in stopping. That's <laughs> that's how impressive <laughs> that was. It, my music just stopped because well, it was like you know he's fifty. Wow, you got to grow up at some point, and uh, I think fifty is a good age. I thought you were sixty. Right, that's it. Move on. I'm very well, thank you. Let's get on with the show. Unbelievable. Uh, We've got lots to go through on the week. We're going to be taking a look back at some of the conversations we had. Uh, also, you know, getting a chance to remind you of some of the great episodes this week. Robert Kinjit we spoke to. Uh, well, I actually spoke to this week because uh, Robert and I had a chance to catch up uh, on Thursday's show. And it was a really interesting conversation about lots of things. And, you know, the interesting thing about that conversation is we intended to talk about his accessible Netflix project, all the work he has done in yes. web development and, and consulting and all the wonderful things he did. And we didn't get to any of it because we yeah. ended up talking about so many other things that Robert does. And he has quite a story to tell. He and uh, he shares it so eloquently. So we're going to get into that. I'll give you a clip of that today and remind you to go and check that episode out. It was absolutely brilliant. And we talked about Apple accessibility, bugs as well, with Kayaker uh, on the show. He was really interesting, getting a chance to get his take on it. And I'll be interested to hear your feedback on this through the week as well, uh, to see what you think about Kayaker's views on Apple accessibility bugs. A few comments coming in already. Some of you absolutely with us on this uh, and in, in, with that kayaker in particular, saying it's just not good enough. It's just wh- where we are with accessibility and Apple, it's just not good enough. Um, my it's argument, almost controversial to say that, it feels, doesn't it? Well, you know? you know, my argument is they're not alone, right? Other companies are getting things wrong as well. So I, I, that's, I'm not keen on this idea. It's just Apple, right? I'm, I'm being a bit of, I'm, I'm defending the fruit. That's what I'm doing. I'm well defending the fruit. God bless you. I did go on um, now with Dave Brown, with Alex, and uh, <laughs> I did put a call out. Like, we talked about this, and I did say, you know, I'd be really interested to hear our listeners' experiences with other companies as well. Because as you rightfully say, is this just Apple? Do you get amazing interactions with Microsoft or Google when you report mm-hmm. bugs? Yep. Mm, I'm not convinced either. Okay, well, we'll get to all that. And uh, your comments, of course, on all this will continue next week. Keep your feedback coming. Feedback at doubletaponair.com. You can also get in touch with us on social media. Uh, you can find us on Twitter. We're on Mastodon. And uh, on YouTube as well, you can uh, catch up with this week's episode of Double Tap TV, which you'll find on YouTube, uh, celebrating Mother's Day, which was a really interesting episode this ah. week. Uh, Don Pickering joining us. You might remember Don on the show a while back. Well, she joined us on Double Tap TV to tell us a bit more about her son, Ollie. And it was a really interesting and enjoyable conversation. So that being shared now on YouTube, you can go and find it by searching Double Tap TV on YouTube. Um, also, we're talking Reaper. We, we talked that this week because uh, we had Scott and Jenny on. Uh, you spoke to them on Tuesday's show. And yes. are you convinced now? Are you, going to, are you going to try out that audio editor? Oh, I was always convinced anyway. I just wasn't convinced in my ability to, <laughs> to swap over. That, that, I'm so overwhelmed by new software. But Scott and Jenny uh, and their work in putting together resources for getting started with Reaper and the Q&A sessions especially, yeah, fantastic. It's all about the resources, having someone to almost hold your hand as you're transitioning between you know, software, in the case of me and Audacity and Reaper. To be honest, it's what I need. So, yeah, it gives me more confidence anyway, definitely. And, you know, Scott didn't say this explicitly, but, you know, as the Beatles did once say, I want to hold your hand. And I think that is the intention Scott has. Oh, with any, this any excuse website. to get a pun in there. Any excuse. 
Very good. Just have made well a career done. out of this, so come on. <laughs> uh, right, before we get into all that, though, and of course the other news of the week, let's start with the big stories in... The News. And OpenAI has expanded the availability of its chat GPT app for iOS to several new countries, including Australia, Japan, Germany, and in Canada. The chat GPT app, known for its ability to generate human-like text responses based on user input, now also features voice input, enhancing its user-friendly interface. Developing Story. Neuralink has announced it has received approval from the US Food and Drugs Administration, that's the FDA, to conduct its first tests on humans. Elon Musk's implant company wants to help restore people's vision and mobility by connecting brains with computers. It says it does not have immediate plans to start recruiting participants. An earlier bid by Neuralink to win FDA approval was rejected on safety grounds, according to a report in March by the Reuters news agency that cited multiple current and former employees. The regulator itself is yet to comment. So what would Neuralink do? Well, at a presentation in February this year, Elon Musk laid out the goals. The first two applications we're going to aim for in humans um, are restoring uh, vision. I think this is like notable in that even if someone has never had vision ever, like they were born blind, uh, we believe they can, they, they can, we can still restore vision because the, the visual part of the cortex is still, still there. Yeah, even, even if they've never seen before, uh, we're, we're confident that they could, they could see. And then the, uh, the other application being in the motor cortex, uh, where we would initially enable someone who has no ability, to, almost no ability to operate their, their muscles, you know, sort of like a sort of Stephen Hawking type situation, and um, enable them to operate their phone faster than someone who has hand, working hands. Microsoft's annual developer conference, MS Build, concluded this week, making headlines with the unveiling of Windows Copilot. It was a virtual event led by CEO Satya Nadella and highlighted this new feature as a significant leap forward in the evolution of the Windows operating system. Copilot, a standout announcement at the conference, is set to redefine user experience with its advanced capabilities. They also showed off new advancements such as Azure Quantum, a fully managed quantum computing service, significant updates to the Teams platform and the latest version of its mixed reality platform HoloLens 3. But it was the integration of Bing Chat into the Windows experience itself that grabbed all the headlines, showing how easy it is to search, find and even make purchases all through online chat. I'm on a webpage here checking out a recipe for a cake and now I can call Bing Chat and ask it to tell me, hey, give me the ingredients from this web page. And notice Bing can read the context of the web page, understand those ingredients, put them into chat, and then I can say, hey, give me a shopping list for this. And it'll automatically call the Instacart plugin, take those ingredients right off the page, and put them into an Instacart shopping, and with one click, I can get those now delivered to my house. This is an incredible productivity benefit for people. Final Cut Pro and Logic Pro, two of Apple's major productivity apps, were launched on the iPad this week. Originally built for macOS, these apps have been redesigned for the touch interface. But has the focus on touchscreen interaction come at the cost of accessibility using a keyboard? Michael Dewey from the IA podcast took a deep dive into the apps on his recent episode. He told Double Tap his findings. I've been able to test this application pretty extensively on some podcasts that I did, but it's a very interesting app. They tried to make everything work with a touchscreen first and keyboard second. So there are a lot of keystrokes that will work. However, not everything works the same way. And there are several times with Final Cut that you have to move your focus with voiceover down to the playhead just to move it. And you can't exactly do that with the keyboard easily. And there's various other little things like that. I found that the best way to use Final Cut with voiceover is to, like, if you want to move the playhead, find it, double tap and drag it. You know, with Logic Pro, you could just uh, do things with the rotor, like just flicking up and down to move throughout the position in your audio file. So there are some things that work really well for voiceover users in Logic Pro that do not work in Final Cut. And it's very interesting. There's also places where you could be in dialogues where you can get to controls that are not even showing on screen. The worst accessibility issue I found was it asked me to subscribe to Final Cut and was still letting me flick to everything in the app before even signing up. 
this was not the case in Logic Pro, so it seems like they did a little bit more accessibility work in the second app and not the first. But there are some things that can be done, and you can add media and things like that. But if I were to need to use this on a day-to-day basis, I don't know that I could easily, with VoiceOver, completely edit audio like or edit video. I could grab the playhead and move it, but only if I grabbed it at the right spot. Sometimes I'd double tap and hold it wouldn't even move uh, whenever I would uh, use touch. And then you can move by frame with the keyboard, but only if you have your position on the, pl- on the part of the, uh, on the playhead and press VO space or double tap on that uh, item. So there are definite issues. And then say you play and pause the audio and video while you're editing you go to move the playhead again with the arrow keys and it would not move until you view a space. So there are some definite issues that we found. Um, unfortunately, I think Apple will have to really address these before users would be able to use Final Cut with VoiceOver. This is a day one product, so I'm, I'm sure a lot of work's going to be done, but it's worth checking out. They give you a month free trial so you can see for yourself if you have better luck than I have with it, but use it your own at your own risk at this point, and hopefully, you know, they will make it better. Michael Dees there from the IA cast, and don't forget that you can check out the podcast at any time. We'll put the links in our show notes and also on our social media as well. Finally, Amazon has unveiled its latest addition to the Fire tablet lineup. That's the Amazon Fire Max 11. The tablet has a larger 11-inch display, a significant upgrade from predecessors, meaning that it has a bigger, brighter screen for all of us to enjoy our favourite movies, shows or games. The display is also equipped with improved colour accuracy, ensuring that images and videos look as vibrant and lifelike as possible. Under the hood, the Fire Max 11 is powered by a faster process simply meaning it can handle more tasks more efficiently. The tablet also features enhanced speakers for better sound quality and a longer battery life as well, allowing users to enjoy their device for extended periods up to 14 hours without needing to recharge. Now, with all these new features and improvements, the Amazon Fire Max 11 is set to offer a more immersive and enjoyable user experience, according to Amazon. Pricing starts at $229 and $329 for the additional magnetic keyboard and case option. We here at Double Tap will give you our verdict when we get our hands on it in June. The news. And yeah, we expect to get our hands on 14th of June when it's released in the UK, uh, the case around the world as well. So we we'll look forward to hearing uh, more about that. Echo Show 5 also got an update as well, although I don't care. Uh, so there you go, that's the news. And um, I, w- I want to <laughs> delve into some of this because there's so much news this week, in particular around MS Build, Sean, and this news of the Bing chat being built in across Windows and in particular across Edge browser as well. You know, just that example of being able to, you know, get the recipe, you know, get all the ingredients, chuck it all in your Instacart and go. We talked about a bit of this yesterday, but it really is incredible. It is. And, and I've heard a lot of people dismissing this. Uh, so they're calling it Copilot, built into Windows 11 only at this time, Windows 11. Um, people saying, oh, this is just Cortana. Right, no one's gonna. It's going to be forgotten about. Oh come on, Cortana! I mean, you know, Cortana with bells on, right? Well, exactly the point. But you think about. I mean, moving on from that example there, if you're on a website and you're reading something and you don't quite understand it, you can simply ask the copilot. You know, can you explain this in easier terms? And it will do it for you. I mean, that alone, (laughs) especially for me in web browser, I get confused very easily. But I mean. What a fantastic feature. I think this is going to be so useful. I mean, you know, people saying Cortana, people saying a smarter Clippy, the paper clip. <laughs> uh, no, this this is going to be so much more. Clippy wasn't smart. Clippy just popped up to tell you <laughs> to do something or give you a tool tip. Exactly. Look, it's all about how it how it works in, in practice, right? And I think people are going to be blown away by it because you know, Bing Chat on its own is really impressive. But the, it's the, it's the so plugins, though. It's the plugins that are going to make the difference. And, you know, what was interesting was on stage they talked about how the plugins could be written once and then applied across OpenAI. So it didn't, it didn't you know, you weren't just writing for Microsoft. No, no, that's right. Yeah, it's, it's, it's almost like a, a new operating system is being developed amongst this, right? That's what it feels like. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it, not just for web browsing as well. I mean, you can, when it comes to system settings, 
you know, rather than searching through, I was trying to find the, how to change your default web browser last night. And before you used to type in, open a window, start window, uh, start menu, I should say, and type default web browser and bang, you were there. Not anymore. And then I went into settings and searched default, no, no results. So I had to dig through and I eventually found it. But simply being able to ask, it's all about that conversational style, right? How do I change? Or I want to change my default web browser and it will do it for you. I think it's just going to be a totally new way of interacting with your computer if it works as well as uh, we expect it to. Yeah. And obviously this is all going to come in time, but you know, we're, we're seeing this rolling out now. This isn't, you know, this isn't the future. I mean, you know, this will start to come through the beta channels. You'll start to be able to try this out if you're on the insider. We're talking a couple of months, aren't yeah, we? Yeah. I mean, really we are. I mean, this will be out by the end of the year. It will be available. And I think by the end of the year going into next year, we're going to be a really interesting place because yeah. this will all pretty much be available and functional. And what is going to be happening is between now and then, a huge amount of development is going to be going on. And we see how quickly these plugins can be written. It seems yes. that it doesn't seem very, I mean, <laughs> probably the AI could do it for you. Make me a plugin for my company. <laughs> okay, there you go. And that's it. Job done. It is unbelievable. But it, also is believable because it's happening. It's here. Um, yeah. I think Copilot is amazing. I wonder how Apple are going to deal with this because unless they just literally stick a pipe into the side of your computer feeding OpenAI into it, I don't know how they're going to compete on this. Mm. Do they have yeah, no, anything true. up their sleeve? Because currently Siri, uh, good luck doing anything with that. Uh, that is just awful. I mean, a lot of the time I'm very defensive because Apple seems to come under fire um, just because they're Apple, right? And sometimes it's without merit and sometimes it's definitely with merit. But with Siri, it has got so much worse lately. It's just practically useless. So I'm hoping they've, they've got something coming up very soon. Well, we'll see. Uh, okay, moving on. Uh, Final Cut, Logic Pro, your thoughts on uh, Michael's thoughts and, and views on voiceover? I was disappointed when I heard his, his initial thoughts. Did you expect anything? Yeah, I guess you did, being Apple, right? Yes, you did. It's that old thing about the touch interface. It's the old barrier that we keep coming up against. Is the touch interface really useful universally? Can you use apps like this with a touch interface without a major redesign? Has anyone got it right yet? And especially when you put accessibility on top of that, I, I'm not sure. Um, yeah, disappointing, but I think he did make a good point. This is day one. Let's see what happens with this. Um, some people may see that as a cop out. You know, it, it shouldn't have to be. It shouldn't be released unless it's accessible. But um, yeah, I'm I'm going to wait and see on this. This isn't for me anyway. So uh, I'm not waiting with bated breath. But I mean, we will see what happens. I'm slightly disappointed. I must say. I am disappointed because, I mean, I, I, I expect it to be good in terms of, you know, the, the touchscreen interface. That would be a given because it's on the iPad, right? It's built for that purpose. But knowing Apple as we think we do, they would consider accessibility. But it seemed like some really basic things were being forgotten. Now, to be fair, Michael says, this is day one, all right? There will be bugs. They'll find them. But again, it goes back to the same point we've discussed it this week on the show. How many disabled people, blind people, voiceover users were in the room when this was being created? And, yeah. you know, how much was it? Was it more a case of the, it was important to get the product out before WWDC? Because clearly they want to clear the decks. That's how it feels. They want to clear the decks for WWDC and, and get everything focused on why what, was, this, this why, mysterious headset. Why was one done? with better accessibility than the other. Yeah, that's weird, isn't it? That is weird. It's maybe, it almost feels like they've got the blind people in to sort out the audio one, and ah, they'll never use the video one. So well, you, you know. I mean, you say that in almost <laughs> the joking way, but, I mean, is there a bit of bias there that, you know, well, mm. audio, obviously. I mean, blind people aren't going to care about video. I kind of hope that's not the case. I, I really hope that's well. not the case, but uh, you yeah. never know. Uh, and also, I just think it's a rush to get the product out. You know, I think it's just a case of getting it out there and, uh, yes. you know, we'll deal with the bugs as they come up. Yeah, that's that's a that's a pretty normal process for companies these days. That's yes, not across the board. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> throw it out. Let's figure out the bugs together, and we'll work it out. I kind of maybe if that was how it was. If 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 the if companies came out and said we're going to release this into the wild, we're going to see how it goes. You help us fix it. I think. Yeah, if there was a discussion like that, I think if it was framed that way, 
I'd be okay with that. I'd be like, you know what, then it feels like a real community thing. We're all coming together. We'll fix Again, it. it comes that's... down to communication, interaction. Exactly. Right? Absolutely. That's how yeah. open source projects work. You know, yes. we're all just yeah. mucking in. We'll figure it out together. And then we all feel part of it. And it's like a nice, warm, fuzzy feeling. And I don't get that. <sighs> I don't get that Group from the hug. fruit. Um, <laughs> and, of course, OpenAI, ChatGPT, arriving on iOS, now in Canada. The app itself, I'm getting mixed reports from people about the accessibility. Some people saying that the sign-up process is a bit dodgy or a bit clunky, perhaps. Um, so some comments today on on that kind of line. Also, that the process of using the app is good. The voice input I'm interested in. I haven't had a chance to play yet, but I'm hoping yes. to, to spend some time with this over the weekend and into next week uh, and really understand that. We will have a review of the app for you from Anonymous himself, Thomas Donville. He'll be on Monday's Double Tap, so do check that out, and uh, you'll hear his review of the app. He, of course, has had this a little bit longer because he's in the US, so he's had more time to do the deep dive into it. And I'm really glad people like him and Michael Doe's are actually doing all this stuff because, you know, oftentimes these things arrive in the US first and we don't get the chance to see them till later. So, Ooh. yeah, I know. It's <laughs> disgraceful. Are you, uh, are you into the whole uh, Amazon Fire Max 11? Are you going to buy yourself an 11-inch tablet? I want to say yes, of course, but no, absolutely not. No, I am not. I just, I, I, I always think this is a great price for a, a, a adequate tablet, but wow. I end up, I never end up using them. But let's be fair, they are what they are. Okay, they're they're great for the price. Okay, I'll say that, but I just I never end up using it. It always just sits on my side or in a drawer. And please tell me you're any different. I can't say I am. I'd also even go as far to say I'm the same with the iPad now. It's because it's just I use the simple iPhone device. I think the more vision you have, the more devices you'll use like that. I think that is honestly it. I think you know if you if you're blind, mm. if you're using you know an iPhone for example or an Android phone, you probably don't want to use another device. It just gets in the way. You don't I need think it. You're right? Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. It's all about the screen real estate. And how much of it? So we are not the buyers of this, but I am intrigued to try it out because I, I want to know how the accessibility. I'm always intrigued in the accessibility, not so much from my own personal use case, but you know, when you're recommending these devices, that obviously the more power that goes into them, that's good. That's good on one hand, but what's the accessibility behaving like? And increased power does not always mean better accessibility feature response. So if you turn on Voice View, which is their screen reader then it may not perform any better just because it has a faster processor in it. There may still be bugs. It may still be sluggish. It might be uh, issues with the touch interface. Who knows? So, you know, I'm, that's why I'm always intrigued to try it because I, I think ultimately a lot of the bugs that we find are not speed-related anymore. I think it's more to do with the software itself because yes. there's a lot of power in these devices. Even in something like a, an Amazon Fire tablet, it's still got a hefty processor in there. Yeah, well, it's going to need some um, you know, nifty performance there just to handle the screen size anyway, throwing that amount of pixels about. So hopefully, um, yeah, it shouldn't be a problem from powering your screen reader. This is I their iPad Pro equivalent, I guess. Yeah, This is course. the Amazon version of that. Now, it's, you're not going to put these two next to each other in that category. But if you were thinking of buying an 11-inch tablet and you're thinking, I don't need the power of an iPad Pro, but I like the size, this is, might be a good option for you. Especially for kids, you know, especially for younger kids. If you're consuming content, right, if you're watching YouTube, Netflix, Amazon Prime, Disney+, Plus, whatever it may be, then the tablet makes total sense. Even web browsing to a degree, although I never got on with the uh, browser on a Silk browser. Yeah, I didn't really, didn't do much for me. I found it slightly clunky. So, um, yeah, I think you're right. I think if you've got some vision that makes, you know, a larger screen a, a positive and a plus and a benefit, then, yeah, this may be for you. You can just jailbreak it and stick Google Play Store on it. That's true. <laughs> yeah, good point. Hey, you get a cheap, you get a cheap tablet. Yeah, yeah, you, get a good, yeah. <laughs> you get a good cheap tablet out of that. That's not a bad deal. Um, okay, uh, before we go to break, just to say uh, we did talk this week to Robert Kinjit about a range of things, and we were intending to talk about his work and the accessible Netflix project and lots of other great things he did. But in the end, we pretty much get down to him and talking about his life story and what a story it was. Now, I want to ask you a little bit about home life because you haven't mentioned much about that. You've talked a lot about education. You've talked a lot about your design and work. But what was the home? What was home life like? So my home life was actually very, very, very rough. It was a constant uh, battleground 
a constant emotional and physical battleground that I had to navigate uh, daily. My mother was a single mother, and um, and she had extreme uh, extreme drug addiction. And knowing what I do now, I know that addiction is a type of severe uh, mental uh, illness that you can't just snap out of. You have to uh, work really hard to overcome it. But back then, I, I didn't know any better. So the only thing I knew was that she was making th these choices which really harmed me. Um, she was a heavy drinker and she did all kinds of drugs, you name it, um, she did it. Um, it was a very, very rough time at home. There was a, a, a lot of beatings, there was a lot of nights where we would go hungry, um, me and my brother and sister, because our mother simply did not come home at a reasonable time. But my home life was constant, uh, constant abuse, uh, from the physical abuse to the emotional uh, abuse. There was a lot of verbal uh, abuse. So I had to navigate a whirlwind of emotions daily. And I, 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 I think uh, th that's what afforded me such, such keen uh, uh, observations and insights about the world early on because I got a crash course in the darker side of the world and I had to learn how to navigate that uh, sometimes with grit and grace uh, sometimes with very messy, messy explosions, uh, sometimes with, with actions that I deeply regret uh, now. Um, like, for example, I, I would steal food from uh, other kids at school. Um, just so that I could have a safety net from um, for those. You were going times. hungry, Robert. You were going hungry. I mean, it, you weren't you weren't doing this out of malice. You were doing this to to eat and to survive. Quite a story. Quite an incredible story he tells, and you can find uh, that full interview and uh, the full conversation on the podcast. Just search for Double Tap in your podcast app if you're not listening to us there right now, and uh, you'll find the episode Meet Robert Kinjits. Uh, stick around. Double Tap on EMI continues next. Connect with the Double Tappers on social media now, on Twitter and Facebook at Double Tap On Air, and on Mastodon at Double Tap. And of course, today is a very special day uh, here on Double Tap Express because not only is this, uh, you know, Double Tap Express, which is of course the greatest thing to ever happen to train networks in the world and radio shows, I guess. Um, it's also Sean's 50, I don't know where I'm going with this, Sean's 50th birthday. Hey! Uh, we got you something. <gasps> what did you get me? We got you something, just for you. Yes. 
We got you this. Happy birthday yeah. to you. <laughs> really shouldn't have. <laughs> yep. With, With the monkeys and tigers, they look just like you. Happy birthday, Sean! Hey! hey! Thank you, thank you. That's that's so appropriate for a 50th birthday. It's uh, the absolute that... least we could do. <laughs> it definitely was. Thank you. That's <laughs> uh, so what you're going to do. You're going to celebrate? Do you know what? It's a landmark of an occasion, your 50th. Half a century on the planet. So, no, I'm not doing anything. I've Quite got right. some editing to do, so I can't be bothered. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I just can't be bothered with birthdays. It just doesn't. I, just, I, I never quite yeah. understand the excitement around a birthday. No, I'm, I'm not really that into. I mean, you know, it's more for other people, isn't it? They they want to do things, but no, I'm doing nothing. I'm being miserable. It's a day for me. I can be grumpy and miserable. That's well. That's exactly my point. It's like, well, look, <laughs> I want yeah, to be yeah. miserable, yeah. and it's my day. Yes. So let me do my thing. Let me just do what I do every other day, which is be miserable. I do one thing for my birthday, and that is I get. I say, don't buy me any presents or anything. All I want to do is buy what I want to buy from the fast food delivery place. <gasps> yes. And what I buy is huge. Last year, obviously, it was the uh, fried chicken party package. Just for me. <laughs> oh, what is in oh, that? Uh, there was uh, about seven buckets. It oh, was uh, it was about a hundred dollars worth. And uh, wow. I gave my neighbour one piece of chicken, and uh, <laughs> the rest was for me. Out of the ten boxes that were sitting there. <laughs> wow. Uh, well, I uh, hope you enjoy it. Um, yeah, it's, it's always a joy. Hope I make it through, and hopefully you're here on Monday. Yeah. So. Um, You've been going a bit dotty about Braille. Is that right? Dotty oh, about Braille? Oh, you. Oh, me hey. and my little. Because I heard you, you purchased something new, mm. uh, which was unusual for you. But, of course. you know, you had to get the cheapest device released to Braille. <laughs> and you did. I did. I have in my sweaty little hands a Hable One. And you know what? You know what the good thing about the Hable is? With you the Hable. You don't need you a don't table. Need a table. Hey! <laughs> I gave them I that line. They didn't use it. I don't Shocking. know who came up with that, but it's it's a gem. Mine, me. But as you know, I I don't use Braille. I definitely can't read Braille. But I've done you know the odd grade one beginner course in the past, and uh, I've really sort of hoped I'd get into it, but I never did. Uh, with the Hable One, though, it sparked my interest again. I've learned the alphabet and the punctuation and the full stop and the caps lock and you know all the uh, all the basics again. And navigating around the uh, iPhone, which I'm using it with. Yeah, you know what? I'm enjoying it. It's it's fine. I've typed a few text messages and uh, WhatsApps, and um, it's absolutely fine. I've even started using the Braille screen input again. And I'm just starting to use the um, abbreviations, but it all starts getting a little bit confusing then. But it is interesting, isn't it? Go, how here, quickly. Have, 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 yeah, no, but, but you're saying that, but you know, you're getting into this, and that's you moving into grade two, and it, it's gradually either coming back to you or it's you – because know, it's all in there. And you know, you're kind of bringing it back and you're using it. And Digging it's funny, it but, but I think it's that kind of – these devices are really cool for that because they kind of draw you back in without really trying. You just you just start picking it up, and if you know Braille, if you know a little bit about it, and interestingly, the, the company told us that a lot of people who buy the Hable don't know Braille, but they learn it as a result of using the Hable, which I think is really interesting because you wouldn't go out and buy nice. a device that's a Braille. You wouldn't buy a Braille display if you didn't know Braille, right? You would be like, well, what's the point? It's a lot of money for, for nothing, and I'm never going to be able to figure this out. And will I ever be good enough to make proper use of it, or be yeah. efficient with it? And, and, you know, that's one hell of an investment, right? But... Yeah, I mean it's it's it is a nifty little device. I do I do like it. Um, like early days yet. Will I? Yeah, will it stay with me? I honestly I don't know. But hang on, hang on. Right. So the, the braille input is one thing. Obviously, that's one aspect of the Hebrew. Uh-huh. But the other is the navigation aspect. How are you finding that on the phone? Yeah. Now I, I must admit, again, trying to commit these things to memory is taking me a while. Um, I I used um, funny enough, I used Dolphin Dolphin Easy Reader 
to read the user guide. So I had that talking away, and as it was telling me wow. the various commands. I'm going to give I you was... the title of Superblind if you keep this up. <laughs> I was practicing, and it does make sense, and it's pretty responsive. I mean, navigating around using um, dots 7 and 8 uh, to move through the items, like swiping left and right, becomes second nature really quickly. Uh, holding down B, what's that, dots 1 and 2, uh, for back, um, dots one, two, and three to jump to the top or the bottom of the screen is really handy to quickly navigate somewhere. So it's surprising, you know, how quickly it does sort of become second nature. But there are, I will say, there are a lot of commands, you know, Siri, um, App Switcher, uh, Status Bar, things like that. So, yeah, there is a learning curve. Absolutely, there's a learning curve. But it does sort of make it fun. And I'm not sure why. <laughs> Maybe it's I know, just I'm the, the same. I'm the same. Yeah. I think it's the size of the device, though, because you can use it, I mean, literally anywhere. You sit on a train, you can use it. I mean, I was getting some, I, am, I, I say this, I am convinced I was getting some weird looks on the train the other day, tapping away what they probably thought was some kind of, you know, child's game player, you know, some <laughs> yeah. tiny little button thing. I'm just oh, mashing away on these buttons. He thinks oh, he's playing a Super Nintendo. Look, look. at him. Oh. He's, he's, that's, that's, that's the blind snares over there, you know, <laughs> having a snooze. I've been but, called worse. Yeah. <laughs> But it is, it's one of those things that it does kind of excite you to use it because it, it seems so simple. And almost, I think that's the thing. When I first got it, I thought this is going to be more complicated than it actually is because I've used Braille displays. And I do find Braille displays a little bit awkward to understand. Most, mm. or, you know, especially when you hook them up to computers or phones and you start getting all these characters turning up on the display, you're thinking, what's all this about? And it just feels like a secret world that I'm not in. I can't, yeah. I'll never understand. It's very much the deep end, right? At the minute, I'm just concentrating on writing Braille, and I'm getting the feedback as speech. So uh, it's very uh, baby steps, if you like, um, because I've tried reading, and reading I really struggle with. But, you know, if I get into this, this side, then maybe it's something I'll, I will want to dive into, you know, the other side of it. But, uh, yeah, I am enjoying it. And I am finding myself, even at this early stage, like, you know, after probably after about a day of use, I did get the alphabet pretty down. And I was pretty quick mm, on good. it. And, and I am quicker at typing on that than I am with the on-screen keyboard. Well, uh, as we know... Apple is, of course, the device that you can use this with. I think you can use it on Android as well. I'm fairly sure. I believe so, you yes. Can. Um, but yeah, on iOS, of course, we all know about bugs. And on the Mac, I certainly know about bugs. And it's something that one of our contributors this week felt a little bit um, aggrieved about, shall we say. Uh, let's listen to Kayaker and a clip of the show earlier this week as uh, Kayaker, or Scott as he's known to us uh, here, uh, told us a little bit about the challenges he has been having using Apple products. It's fair to see you're getting a little bit annoyed with voiceover, right? I'm becoming extremely annoyed with voiceover on macOS and iOS. It's just to the point where I want to um, rally everyone with their pitchforks and torches and storm Cupertino. <laughs> okay. um, there's no transparency to the accessibility team where we can have issues and see them being resolved. And I think that's a fault with Apple at this point. There have been bugs in voiceover that grow and grow and grow that we've complained about over and over again that just don't get fixed. And there's I don't even know who to talk to at Apple. No one listens. The, the best that I can do is call the uh, accessibility hotline and occasionally I'll get a request back with an engineer. But more often than not, it's like, have you tried, you know, reinstalling iOS? It's like, no, because this happens on all five of my devices. It's not OS installs. Everyone in the blind community is experiencing this problem. Why isn't this being addressed? Why are you always saying like, okay, just reinstall everything and maybe that'll fix it. What I'd really like to see is Apple sort of make public, you know, some of their bug databases for features that aren't secret. They're in the OS, but we can clearly reproduce any time. You know, I can't go in and say, oh, yeah, you know, the team is working on a, the, the VO focus issue jumping around. And we expect that to be released in, you know, the next Mac OS update mm -hmm. or, or iPhone update. We have no transparency. We're just crossing our fingers and say, please, please, Apple, when you release the next version of iOS or Mac OS, let's not break anything else. And maybe we'll get lucky and, and fix something. I, I just like to have some accountability for the bugs that we report so it doesn't feel like all our feedback is getting thrown into the 
proverbial bit bucket. But then I, I wonder because you know is that the case with that Microsoft or Google? You know, do, do they get that kind of response if you contact them? <sighs> Um, I don't know the answer to that, but I, 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 I wonder if it's the same. Because I mean, if you're calling know. up and saying there's a challenge with narrator and it's not working the way I expect, are you getting back? You know, okay, here's a, a ticket reference. Here's an update. Here's where we are with this. When will this come out? Because I don't think they're telling people, you know, it's this really is going to roll out in a new feature. So is this, 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 we're, we're kind of pushing all this on Apple, but are the other companies offering the, the same service? Essentially, as I'm wondering. Part of a bigger conversation, which you can listen to by searching for the episode, uh, uh, An Old Friend with an Old Problem, uh, which I think summarized it pretty well. Uh, not to call I think Scott he liked old. old. Yeah. No, I'm sure he didn't. But, you know, uh, it was trying to make a point. I was trying to make a pun. Yeah, yeah. But to be and fair, he's an old friend. So it's surprising coming from Kayaka, right? Because he's a Mac developer for the longest time, retired Mac developer now, who's been using Mac since the early 80s. And for him to come out and say something like that, then it does make you think, okay, there is something here. There's something serious going on. Yeah, and I think it's it's interesting because, of course, we, we had this conversation just after the announcement of all the new accessibility features coming and before WWDC, where we're about to see the new operating systems launched. Yes. And what was interesting about the accessibility announcements from Apple was that there were a few updates coming to VoiceOver, but no major feature updates. And there's a kind of hope, I think, in the community that this will be an opportunity for developers to fix some of the bugs in the new release. Is that hope? (laughs) Is that just hope? Well, that's the thing. That's the whole point, right? If there was communication, we would know. We shouldn't have to be, as customers, be here hoping that, uh, and as Kaka pointed out, that a basic functionality such as keeping and retaining focus on an element when you're on it is fixed. Um, but you know, equally to be balanced, we, as you brought up, you know, do are other companies any better when it comes to communicating bugs and fixes for bugs? Don't know. Yeah, I think that's I think that's a great question that I asked. Um, because, yeah, well done. Yeah, thank you. Because, <laughs> because honestly, I think it's important that we, we kind of look at this on a wider scale. It's one thing that we always pick on Apple. And it's because we, the reason we pick on Apple is because we don't hear anything. Most companies you contact, you will get some kind of response. But the fact that you get nothing and maybe the odd occasional email back saying, hey, we'll look into this, that's just not enough. And I think Apple needs to be more transparent about this. It's difficult, of course, because as a company, they're not transparent. In that sense, they don't talk about what's going on. They don't talk about the future. They don't talk yes. about what they're working on. They certainly don't talk about things that go wrong. Well, that's Anyone expected. remember the you're holding it wrong situation? Exactly. You know? That's exactly what I brought up as well. Yes, exactly. But you know what? There's nothing wrong with saying there's a bug because everyone you know, has bugs. Every piece of software has bugs. It doesn't show any sign of things going wrong with the company. And we're quite happy with yeah, okay, there's a bug here, we're working on it, and give us some sort of time frame, that would be more than enough. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, okay, well, I want to move on before we go, because uh, there was one other topic uh, this week that we talked about, and I think it was a really interesting discussion you had. Uh, tell us a little bit about the conversation you had around Reaper this week, and, and lead us into our, our highlight clip. Okay, so Scott actually got in contact with me and uh, he he said, I know you and Stephen have been talking about Reaper quite a lot and you have quite a lot of questions. And I think I'm the person to answer them along with uh, a friend of his, Jenny Brennan, and they both use Reaper uh, extensively. And they're both really involved in making uh, Reaper accessible to screen reader users. For loads of people out there listening to this, I'm sure, you know, they've dabbled in recording before and they may have used programs like, well, actually, me and Stephen still do, Audacity or Goldwave or Soundforge, you know, things like that. So what is the difference between those sort of programs and something like Reaper? Okay, so there's two really key differences and one of them is in terms of process and the other one um is very specific to how accessibility is being advocated for um so let's let's do those one at a time let's do the process difference first of all um so things like goldwave things like soundforge are destructive editors so you know you you go in with a piece of audio slice it dice it rearrange it do whatever you want to it maybe you apply some effects to a certain piece of it or whatever 
and each time you hit save uh that is the changes that you've made are baked into that piece of audio you essentially can't unbake the cake that's right whereas with reaper everything is non-destructive um so really with reaper your project files are just a list of instructions the actual raw audio footage stays untouched and the project file is just a list of instructions that says okay sean wants me to use this bit and this bit then move this over here and he doesn't ever want to hear that bit again so i won't play it oh and then he wants a little delay here and he wants a reverb on this bit and he wants this bit to sound like it's through a radio etc and all that stuff is just done in real time which means uh going back to the non-destructive horribly nerdy word it means that (laughs) none of this is actually being baked into your original audio footage which basically means you've got sort of unlimited flexibility to come back to a project a week later with fresh ears and tweak stuff or revisit a project six months later when you know a bunch more tricks and tweak stuff um yeah and it's cool it's, and it's cool simple as that it's cool yeah, it's really useful what more reason do you need yeah I, I, for anyone who who well who asks me now i often say you know if you're going to start off with this then i would start with reaper because yeah. i think you know as i said i think it is moving to be the leader in the market of course it was always audition in, in a lot of places and it still is but um reaper uh, purely from our point of view as well totally accessible right Ooh, I oh, wouldn't go so far as to say totally on. accessible because <laughs> purely because accessibility means so many different things to so many different people with so many different needs um i would say very accessible and uh, and also increasingly accessible over time which kind of brings me on to the to the second difference and this i think is really where reaper is pulling ahead um which is how the accessibility advocacy is handled and basically what it comes down to is that we've got an amazing relationship nowadays with cocos the company that make reaper um and also it comes down to the asara team being uh, asara being the uh the accessibility extension also us being detached and and able to operate independently of cocos um is a strength as well and i think really what it comes down to is like the speed and directness of how accessibility stuff happens that's really where we've got an advantage over most of the other daws mm. so for example uh if you were to use a daw that was made by apple for example if you find an accessibility issue okay cool there's a contact point you can write to accessibility at apple.com but essentially you fire that bug report feature request whatever it is off into the ether uh, you get a canned response back saying thanks very much we'll pass it along to the, the relevant people and then that's it like there's no process for finding out what happens following up on it checking in see what's happening you yeah. just have to kind of wait for for months at a time and see if it appears whereas if we take uh i don't know the last two feature requests that have come my way via one of the the reaper email lists in both of those cases we've had like same day responses from wow. the actual reaper developers and yep. they're totally open about me feeding that back to the email list to the people that have asked in both of those cases uh I'm expecting like this happens. So the feature request happened on Monday. I'm expecting a test build either today or tomorrow where the features that, that have been asked for will be in testing. Yeah. Um, That's an amazing you, turnaround, right? <laughs> Never seen is, anything and like it, that. And it doesn't always happen like that, but the vast majority of the time, that's how it happens. And then if you take an Asara, um feature requests sometimes that's even quicker yeah like uh end of last week we had a guy um who found uh like an issue with speech feedback just under very specific circumstances and 
it isn't something that's going to affect everyone, but I could reproduce it here. And so between me and Jen, me taking care of the Windows side and Jen taking care of the Mac side, we had that licked inside, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes of work. And again, like the guy, you know, a couple of hours after he reported it, I could send him a message and say, hey, update your Asara, should be fine. That's incredible. And that's the power of us being independent from the main Reaper devs. I mean, both of us have got, you know, a, a pretty fast turnaround, but it means that we can operate independently when there's a thing that only affects screen readers we can take care of that and we're not waiting for a you know a a release of reaper for that to reach people and when there's things that that cocos can implement on their side um they're not waiting for us to catch up yeah, really interesting conversation, and more of that you can check out on the podcast this week. I think the key takeaway from that is the amount of work that goes in to creating uh, the accessibility side that perhaps people don't know, and I think that's the, the big takeaway from that. Also, yep. the speed of development as well, and again, the community coming together on this, which has been really, really exciting to see and hear. Uh, of course, you can get more information about all of that on the episode. Now, remind us of the website uh, that people can go to, Sean, to get more on that. You can go to reaperteacher.com. That's reaperteacher.com. And don't forget that mailing list as well, Reapers Without Peepers. That's a good one. To, I so love cool. that. I love that name. <laughs> uh, listen, that's it for the Double Tap Express. Uh, our train is uh, arrived and uh, no doubt will be terminated by Monday. Um, oh, dear. Yeah, I went dark. Doesn't sound, well, doesn't sound good, does it? Uh, but we are back Monday. Uh, some great conversation to come and also more of your feedback and a look at the new chat GPT app for iOS. Thanks to Thomas Donville sending in his review. Uh, that is it for us today, though. Sean, have a great weekend and happy birthday, Sean! Thank you. Bye-bye. The Walrus is Canada's conversation, and you're invited to take part. Download AMI's Voices of the Walrus, where professional narrators read selected articles from the magazine. Available wherever you download your AMI podcasts.